Hello, dear listeners and viewers. You are listening to the second episode of Revelatorium, a podcast that comes around once a month, just about as often as I water my snake plant. So in a way, you are all my little snake plants, and I am gently giving you some audio hydration. There is not currently 4D podcast technology, but when that's possible, like imagine if I could just give you all some water, you know, like a little sparkling beverage while, I mean, as much as I want that now, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I really feel like that would be capitalized upon and commercialized and then you would just end up paying to listen to podcasts. So never mind. We're just going to, we're just going to backtrack a little bit behind that. But um, yes, we're, we're back. The first episode wasn't a fluke. I returned um, in part because of all the wonderful support and feedback on the launch and the podcast art, which is done by Ed Literally ST on Instagram. There is a lot behind the scenes on Patreon of how the podcast art came to be and how this all was developed. But one thing I haven't explained yet is the title, which I know came a little bit out of left field. Like no one's quite sure what Revelatorium is, like where exactly that was born. So if I may illuminate that a bit, when I was eight years old, that's right, we're we're going back there to explain this. When I was eight years old, my school took me on this little field trip up to San Francisco, which was about 40 miles away from where I grew up, to this wondrous museum right on the pier overlooking the bay. And when you stepped inside, it was full of all sorts of tinkering and playfulness and exhibits about stop-motion animation and funky architecture and optical illusions and the like. And it was just a haven of just divine curiosity. Like you, it was just basically an arcade of incredulity. Incredulity. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm going to stop trying to use words like that if I can't pronounce them because this is a podcast and pronunciation is a little important. But in any case, um, that wondrous museum was called the Exploratorium, and it still exists on the Embarcadero in SF. You can go to it. Um, It is just amazing. It's the coolest place ever. And um, if Exploratorium is a place devoted to exploration, Revelatorium is a place devoted to revelation. So I think of it as like truly my inner world opening monthly for you to connect with me on and I get to explore a little bit of your revelations as well at the end of every single episode. It is just nice to have like a dedicated vehicle for mulling over the last month in a really long form way. And I think this is a nice invitation to think about, you know, how your month may connect to mine, how it may differ We do follow the Gregorian calendar in this podcast, so I upload every single first week of every month, but you can analyze on any basis. So no matter when you're listening to this in the month, like calendars are fake. The Gregorian one's just what I go by, but we also just celebrated the beginning of a lunar new year, which I think is really beautiful. I love any chance to celebrate like an anniversary you know, a little bit of novelty, a little bit of newness, and we're in the year of the rabbit. And I came across this wonderful graphic from this account I follow um, out of the Bay Area called Accountability Mapping, 
quite good in terms of like transformative justice, but they just came out with this like new astrology side project and they posted some things about the year of the rabbit and how the central themes of it all, I guess it's like yin water rabbit year. I don't quite know how that all works out, but I'm going to trust and believe that that is correct um, because I don't have a fact checker on this podcast. If you want to be my fact checker, leave a link at revelatoriumpod at (laughs) gmail.com. We're always recruiting and linking and building and growing. In any case, Year of the Rabbit will bring us the ability to renew ourselves in the face of impassable obstacles. This is the year to regroup and begin again. Like the water cycle, yin water will bring us constant motion. This year we'll have to ride the tides of change or risk being swept away. Yin water rabbit is a powerful year for practicing repair and making amends and renewing the bonds of our relationships. And this was so profound because I came across this after I'd already started writing down some of my January revelations and themes that came up this month. And I already could analyze like how much this was sort of connecting because first of all, the way I ran in, ran in, ran up to, rang in the Lunar New Year was through a sound bath, really. Um, It was actually on the new moon, which I think was like, Oh, I don't know if that was the night of, I think it, no, I think it was the night of Lunar New Year that I went to that sound bath, but I went to a sound bath in West Seattle, which is like the woo-woo region of Seattle. Um, And I would love to spend more time over there, but without a car, it's kind of hard to, but um, I thought it would be fun to, I'd done one sound bath in Seattle. I wanted to try another and booked, booked it it and went with my friend Sarah and, um, This one was interesting because last one I went to was half yoga nidra and half sound bath. And I did, I did speak on yoga nidra in last month's episode. So if you are not familiar with that, you can listen to that episode. Um, But this one was no yoga. It was just sound bath. So raw docking the sound bath, full sound bath, no escape from it. Like you're doing that the entire time. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I didn't get as deep into it as I would have hoped. Like the sound bath I did before, it was interesting because it was like during the daytime because it was like early summer or like late spring. And so it was like 6 p.m., but like the light was still out. And so there was light streaming in. So even if your eyes were closed, you could still feel it. So you would think in that class it would be harder to fall asleep. But that class, I think I've spoken on it before in some vehicle or format online, but like I felt a body high, but my brain was still like very much conscious, but like zenned out. So it was such a wonderful feeling like to get into that space. It was almost like a psychedelic type of experience, but completely sober, um, which is really, really wonderful. And so I was looking forward to this one because there was no windows. It was nighttime. It was going to be a full sound bath. There were a lot more bowls. They used like these Tibetan singing bowls. There was like a gong. There were a few other like bells and chimes and such. And there was a woman there that gave like a really beautiful kind of reading about um, like this new moon, which apparently was this inverse of a super moon. So it was like the moon was the closest to earth, but because it's a new moon, you can't see it. I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was, but it it felt pretty special. You know, I like the moon. I do like the moon. I like thinking about the moon. Um, and (laughs) we were laying down on our mats. I had 
a pillow and a blanket. And I didn't bring like an eye cover, but I ended up just kind of like pulling my blanket up over my eyes. And everybody else got really into it and like just dropped into it. And the guy next to me was snoring. Somebody else was snoring. And it was just sort of like in a way distracting, but the whole point is to be present. So I was trying not to let that like disturb me, but I just never fell asleep and never like really got into it. It still felt really good because sort of like this science or I don't know, pseudoscience behind a sound bath is that your body is 70% water. And as you know, like sound reverberates in waves. So think about like a huge bass, you know, like bass is booming like if there's water nearby like it will jump up a little puddle because water is so powerful music and water together are such a powerful combo so if your body's 70 percent water it's really supposed to like vibrate through you and i did feel that she came and walked around and like brought some of the sounds closer to us and i did feel that but i was like i don't really know if this is working but i did set an intention because i'm like okay Last time, even though it technically wasn't yoga nidra and there was no sankalpa or like solemn vow or like intention you're supposed to set during the session, I was like, no, I'm going to set an intention. I'm going to set an intention and this water, not this water, this music will literally vibrate it into me and it will be one with me. Like that's what's going to happen tonight. I'd set my sights on that. And so the intention I set was that I have the confidence of being known which is so silly. It's like very paradoxical because in one way, like I am known and I have the numbers to prove that. It's like I have many friends and family in my life that know me. And then there's, you know, a a handful, (laughs) a handful of people online that know me, you know, like when you have internet followers, it's easy to let that go to your head and think that you are like somebody because people care about your opinions and want to watch you speak on whatever topic. So in a way, you wouldn't think that I'd be struggling with the confidence of being known. But in a way, I guess the niche niche internet micro-celebrityism hasn't melted my brain too much because I do have a fear about people not remembering me. Um, and it's not really like parasocially that I fear this. It's more just socially. Like one really resounding theme from January that happened three times to me, and I'm only going to speak about two, Um is just running into people from my past and not knowing exactly how to reconnect with them. Like, it's just such a fucking problem in my life. Like, I cannot escape it. It's like, if life is an upward spiral, I've hit this point, like, literally 1,800 times already. And, like, I cannot rid myself of it. Like, I need to, like, I I thought maybe the water, I don't know, I thought maybe the yin water rabbit plus the sound bath would just buzz it out of me. But like, no, it's still here. But basically, I have this issue where I convince myself that I am like easily forgettable and that people won't remember me. And it's not like this is a recent problem. Like this has been going on since I was in like middle school, you know, like go to the grocery store and you see your teacher from kindergarten, like I would never go up and introduce myself because I'm like, oh, like she's not going to remember me. I look so different now. And a lot of people, I think, would just accept that. Imagine, imagine, imagine accepting things like imagining walking into a life and with a with a sense of acceptance, like how radical to me, truly, like acceptance is one of the hardest states of being for me. 
it's so easy for me to like ruminate and overthink but like truly just accepting and being like yes this is happening it's human da 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 i can't avoid it it's happening like that is that is truly enlightenment to me like that if i can get to that stage that's enlightenment i think my mom has been able to get there like much much later in life like but but in the past couple of years she's she's made that progress so it's not it's not impossible for me it's not impossible for me but a lot of people would just if they saw their kindergarten teacher in the grocery store and they looked completely different because they're a foot taller now they would just go up and be like oh you know miss honore like i was in your kindergarten class my name is Catherine. like um it's so good to see you like i'm doing this and this now and the other person maybe knowing your name would remember me remember would remember you or maybe they wouldn't like it's still possible that they wouldn't but it's just nice to make the connection and see you know a returning person into your life for me though i struggle with it so much because i'm like what what is the benefit of going up and introducing myself worst case scenario they don't remember who i am they don't really care to reconnect and it's just like awkward best case scenario in my head is like okay they do remember who I am and I remember who they are and we have small talk for like three minutes (laughs) because I'm just like I don't really want to have like little small talk for three minutes like that doesn't really fulfill me you know so I'm like why if it's if it if I'm putting my ego so much on the line to like potentially face the like reality that they don't know who I am (laughs) why would I do that for such like a small benefit but I also think I'm convincing myself that the benefit is small because like I haven't done it enough times to like actually see like what it could build into like how cool would it be if you were able to reconnect with someone that way and they did re-enter your life in like a more like permanent way or big way that would be really really beautiful and um the reason I set this intention like this month in that sound bath was that um there was one instance of that and then that that I will not go into specifics of and then actually right after the sound bath after I set that intention I went to a friend's party and you know when you go to a friend's like birthday party there's like you know a usual cast of characters you'll see if they have different events throughout the year like you're kind of you're kind of accustomed to like okay if I'm going to Zachary's party I'm gonna see this usual five other people that he usually invites to his parties you know you like kind of get used to seeing like some familiar faces even if you don't know them that well and so it was that type of deal at this party I got there late I like came in introduced myself to the people I didn't know like hugged the people I did and then was just hanging out and then a couple minutes later one of the people at the party was like oh hey like I didn't get a chance to introduce myself I'm AJ and I was like oh, yeah, we've already met, like, at a couple other things, like, good to see you. And then he was kind of taken aback and was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Um, And I was like, wow, that was remarkably easy for me. That was remarkably easy for me following the sound bath. I don't know if it's because of the sound bath. I can't tell you that. But I think just spending that time, like, really setting that, like, goal and then acting it out was really affirming and like redeeming for me and confidence building. However, two weeks post sound, maybe not even two weeks, like a week post sound bath, somebody came into the shop that I've been working part time at that I used to organize with like a year and a half ago. 
And so I saw them on Zoom a bunch, met up with them one time in person, and then like just didn't put the effort into like continuing that relationship, even though I wanted to. And they came into the shop, and at first I didn't recognize them at all. And um, they were with their mom and like kind of talking and stuff. And I was like just working and putting things away. So I was kind of distracted. And then after I kind of heard them talk for a little while and they were mentioning some things about their life, I was like, oh, my God. Is that so-and-so? And then I kind of looked up and I was like, yeah, it has to be. And then I had that instance of just like, okay, they've been in here for like 10 minutes. My brain convinced myself that that's too long to not say hi and introduce yourself if that's someone you actually did know and then it would be hella goofy to be like oh wait do I know you did it like I was just like I actually trend like I just don't know these social steps like I had a lapse and a lot of people don't think that this would happen to me because it is so idiosyncratic like when you think about the composite of who I am or like what you may or may not know about me because I'm such an extrovert such a people person I love being around people I love I'm I feel like I'm a good conversationalist. I love to have very stimulating conversation. Like I could I can usually talk to anybody. Like we'll talk about we'll talk about my woodworking class in a little bit, but like every single time I've gone to or the last two times I've gone to woodworking, I've managed to strike up conversation with the teaching assistants every single time. Like in that like that that type of person, you know, if I'm meeting them for the first time, I have no problem asking questions and like getting to know them. It's just this one scenario that I have like weird, weird like blockages up about. And I just don't know why, like where I think it's like something so deep in my psyche that I need to uncover. But my therapist is on maternity leave right now. So like we got to figure it out on this podcast together. Um, <laughs> but despite the success of that party with that person, we'll call them AJ. I was not able to introduce myself. This person left the shop, said bye, and I couldn't tell if they recognized me. And I was like, shit, I hope they didn't think I was rude by like ignoring them. And I just felt so weird about it. And I Snapchatted my two best friends. Um, and one of my friends, Ellie, is just like so normal in that way, like just so socially just regulated, like just such a just such a normal actor, you know, does normal things. Like I sometimes need that and she was like why don't you just message them and be like hey was that you at that shop earlier like I was distracted so I wasn't sure but I thought it was you and I was like oh my god you're so smart for that even though it's like the most <laughs> like that's the most of course that's what I should have done but like it didn't even occur to me because I was just so stunned like I just I have no ability to like think through these situations and so I messaged them and we had this nice conversation. They actually did not recognize me. Um, so then it just kind of in a way did confirm my fear that people don't remember me. So if I had introduced myself and like been like, hey, it's me, they possibly would not have recognized me and put that together. So that could have been extremely humbling and embarrassing. So I'm still working on the confidence of being known and made this yin water rabbit year, this powerful year like sear that into my soul. I would really, really love that. Um, and so that's like a really an ego problem, right? It's like I'm scared to like check my ego if someone doesn't know me. Um, another ego problem I love to experience every single January and I highly recommend is beating your ego in check by being an absolute beginner at something. 
And I did this last winter. I took a Chinese class, like a language class um, online through like a community college. And I think it was like eight weeks and it was like deeply challenging. I knew it was going to be challenging. Chinese is a very like just different language than English. So it like really challenged a part of my brain I haven't really activated since high school. But for some reason, I thought I would have like an easier time. But then when I like of course, I had to like stack rank myself against the rest of the class. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm kind of the worst one. But it was also because like I didn't have someone to really practice Chinese with all the time, like in my home. Um, and like I it was not kind of my main focus in terms of my hobbies. So it wasn't like I was spending an hour a day on it to really, really good good. So that like there's literally actually a soft launched podcast episode up on my patreon patreon.com slash cather out and if you want to pay three dollars you can access that um it's titled crying in chinese class because like very circular moment like i'm back in that spot now with woodworking that i was with chinese class where like it's just hard like it's hard to be a beginner at something and it's not like i'm that like that crusted up and old like I have plenty of time to be a beginner at so many things I don't know why I feel like most things I'm not a beginner at um but like you know YouTube for example I've been doing for 11 years like I'm definitely not a beginner like I don't know there's there's not there's not too much that like I start new with I did start new with watercoloring and like sketching last year and like poetry so I do like to introduce some things, but this is a very public beginnership. You know, when you're taking a class, other people can see you be a beginner. It's not like I'm just watercoloring on my coffee table and if it turns out like shit, I just throw it in the recycling and call it a day. This is like, I am goofing up on the planning machine. You know, somebody's probably going to know. Um, and ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to like, there's a few things. It's a, it's a little, it's a little die die. Um, I was gonna say diabolical dialectic is what I was actually going for. So there's a push and a pull with this. Like there's a few different things that have been coming up and like little breakthroughs I've been having. But in one way, like another challenge I really face a lot is like comparison. And I walk into this class and like I don't know what I was expecting, but it was me and like four guys in their twenties. And I grew up really spending a lot of time with boys. Like, I was a trumpet. And up until college, like, I was in pit orchestra, jazz band, symphony orchestra, like, wind ensemble, um, jazz quintet. Like, I was in so many different musical groups in high school, and not a single one was there ever another, like, female trumpet. Like, it just didn't happen. And so I was like, what? what in the hell like this is this is so crazy to be back in this environment where I am like the only woman because (laughs) I was telling somebody when I was driving with them I think Sarah actually like I these most recent years like I surround myself with like mostly women like most of the people I see are women a few gay guys and like the straight guy friends I have are all long distance so it's like in my day-to-day I'm really not seeing that many dudes like this like I just don't interface with them a lot partially because I'm so sensitive to the male gaze and so I'm like it's easier if they're just a little bit further away from me but um here I was like in a class with all a bunch of dudes and I'm like okay here we go and I kind of thought it'd be 
like a fun little moment. We're all paying to be here. It's not so serious. We're building a table. It's not life and death. Like we're just trying to learn and it's it's not our jobs. Like I guess I just wanted it to be a little bit more whimsical, but everyone is there to work. Like when I get there at 9 a.m., everybody's already at their stations and like buzzing away. And I'm just like, what time are you guys getting here? Because the class starts at nine and I'm here at nine. Like everyone's so on it and just like driven and focused. And I am so socially driven that I'm like, I want to like chat and have a little bit of fun. Um, But it kind of like took me back because I was just like, like it just set me back a little bit because I was like, maybe I just don't know what I'm doing. Like everybody else in here just automatically knows where to go. And I feel like I'm the only one asking questions. Like I'm constantly asking the teacher and the teaching assistants to like check my work or like what's next or like, is it possible to mess this up? What happens if I do this wrong? Like I'm always just kind of asking questions. And so after the first couple classes, I kind of felt downtrodden. Like I felt a little bit beaten down by it because I was just like, why why is this a beginner class and all these people are doing woodworking for the first time and yet I still feel somehow inferior? Like, how is that possible? Because we're all on a level playing field seemingly, you know? Like, I don't understand. And also, I'm the daughter of a woodworker. I'm the daughter of a woodworker. (laughs) This should be in my blood and my bones. Um, But then after two times and talking about it with my father, the woodworker, and my family, I kind of like, came around the corner with that and I was like I'm framing this as like I'm weaker because I'm asking questions and I'm not automatically just going places and acting so certain like if we're all beginners like everyone should be asking questions like I feel like that's how you get the most out of an experience is by being curious and getting to know the people you're learning from and you know making sure that every step is right because if you're too insecure to make people know that maybe you don't know everything, you could be making mistakes and then covering them up and then you get to st- stage five of building the table and suddenly things are wrong and you have to do a 180 to fix them all, you know? So I was like, actually, I think this is a strength, not a weakness that I'm asking questions and I'm not fearful to say that I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Like, I, we're, I'm just too old to pretend I know everything. <laughs> like, at a certain age, you realize if there's like an age, maybe when I was like... 15 to 18 I thought I knew everything and then when I got to college I was like oh shit my world's turning up a little bit and then from like 21 to like 23 I thought I knew everything again and then tail into 23 into like now I'm just like no absolutely not do not know everything so um in a way I'm like although my ego was challenged by comparing myself it also felt very egoless to be like oh I'm a beginner I don't know what I'm doing like can you help me with this can you help me with that and it just felt I just felt very I felt very free thinkerish for the being the only one in the class to do that like it's not that big of a wood shop and I just don't hear anybody else talking or anything this last class I decided to put an airpod in beneath my ear protection and listen to some Charlie XCX while I was doing my sanding work because I was like we should be having fun in here and I maybe I just don't fit into the culture of woodworking and if I don't that's fine I'll move on to the next hobby but maybe it's just a place for introverts and I'm just mucking up the culture like maybe that's what it is um but the other thing is I was like okay I have realized I've taken four classes now and that's not very much I spent 12 hours woodworking formerly it's not very much, but I have recognized another 
another revelation through woodworking. Doing things is a great way to have revelations. Like having your hands be busy working on a craft is a great way to learn about yourself and what you like and what you don't like. And I've realized because I've taken ceramics classes, Chinese classes, taken these classes, poetry classes, like I do not have an affinity for building things. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'm the daughter of a, I'm not the da- I'm the daughter of two engineers. I do not have an interest in building. I have an interest in linking, okay? In the linking and building formula, I'm the linking part of the equation. So I've realized like I kind of need someone to be the builder if I'm the linker. I'm so good at linking. I love linking people together. I love herding cats. I love scheduling everything together. Like I love doing that. Similarly, in in the actual like woodworking context, now that I've gotten to the part where I'm like, sanding the wood making it look pretty I'm like assembling things I'm gonna finish it I'm gonna stain it I'm like ooh, this is a fun game like I like this part you know now I'm like oh this is fun but before it actually felt very laborious and like uninteresting to be planing and joining and you know using all these different tools and machinery like it was empowering to learn how to use them but I don't really have an interest in like doing all this again like I don't really want to do that part of it and I had a really like thought-provoking conversation with the TA after which no one else participated in (laughs) these classes end and I'm always talking to the TAs because I want to know more about them and their journey to woodworking and what's going on and the two past ones have both been women, so it's been very affirming to to speak with them. And she was saying, this most recent TA, that she doesn't like the decorating and finishing process, but she likes the building, the, the like engineering part of it. And I'm like, but her husband loves the other part, you know? And I was like, that's kind of what I need. Like, you know, humans are social creatures. Like, we're not meant to do everything alone. And I'm like, if I'm going to participate in these sorts of crafts and hobbies, like, I kind of need somebody to that likes the building because I like the the artistic vision and I have the eye for that kind of thing. And, like, that's why most of the things that I keep up with, like embroidery, it's like there's not a lot. It's not like, like embroidery is for people who like the finishing and decorating. Knitting, crocheting and quilting that's for people who like the architecting and like the building you know because embroidery is just like little finishing touches kind of thing and if I poke something wrong I mean same with knitting you can like reverse a stitch but it's so easy with embroidery to just like rip out a section and like redo it you know and I love to do video editing which is super malleable because you can just command z everything so I've just realized that I keep framing things as like, oh, I'm bad at this. But I'm like, maybe I'm not even bad at it. I'm just not like intrigued by it. Like there's just other parts of that process that I like more. Like, but then I was like, maybe it's okay. Like I then I got even further in the revolution where I was just like, I don't need to convince myself I'm not bad at it. I can just be bad at things and that's okay. Like I feel like this past year I've been trying to stop myself from saying, oh, I'm bad at cooking or I'm bad at this and that because I'm like, no, you're not. You're just a beginner. And I've been trying to reframe it that way. But I'm like, maybe I need to get to like the fourth level of just, oh, I can be bad at things and that's fine. It's not a moral judgment of my character. It doesn't affect my life. Like I can be bad at things and that's cool and dandy. You know, so but I don't I don't know. At the same time, I'm like, is it going to hurt my 
spirit to be constantly saying, I'm bad at this, I'm bad at that. Should I be reframing it as I'm, I'm a beginner or I'm not interested in these things? I don't know, this, that, and the other. So if you if you want to comment on that, let me know. One last area of revelation I have before we head into my taking and leaving lists for January. And um, that is like a new, it's not new, but it's a newly realized sense of attraction that I have. Because I think that most of us, you know, at least I can put together a composite composite of like the type of person I'm usually attracted to. Like platonically, romantically, it overlaps a bit. Like what are the qualities physically, aesthetically, romantically, intellectually, like all of the above that drive me to be attracted to somebody. And um, through a FaceTime call, an innocuous FaceTime call, I realized the most like powerful, honestly, the most powerful form of attraction that I have. And I never put a name to it before, but it is responsible for like the greatest sense of like infatuation and obsession, like devotion that I have to other people. Like when I am just so down bad, like unreal, just like fixated on somebody, it's usually because of this. And to me, the most attractive people are the ones that are the most confident in their sense of self. And that is like such an intangible, you know, quality to hold. But it radiates like so bright and hot and like glowy when I see that in another person that they like I joke a lot about being a free thinker, but truly when someone is like unshakable in their ability to speak their mind and be authentic to themselves, they have such a radical sense of integrity and like independence in their thought. They're not like so caught up in just like, I don't know, like they just they just have their own ethics and integrity and moral compass like they have that all mapped out to themselves and their personal value system and like it's all even if like they couldn't articulate articulate it to you you can just sense it in somebody like there's this one youtuber that i watched that i've been like just obsessed with for the past year and i love them so much because this person just creates like this like genre bending just like mind breaking kind of content like it's like I can't even explain it that far without like truly revealing who this person is and I'm not ready to do that yet but like I am just so enamored by them because they are like such an individual like they just don't fit into any categories and oh my god like it's just so so amazing and there's somebody else in my life that is the same way like truly ever in the room could be saying this one thing and this person would be totally fine being the black sheep and walking the other direction you know like the kind of person if everybody in the hallway is walking the wrong way they'll walk the right way even though it feels it might feel wrong because you're going against the flow of everybody else like I love that and maybe because maybe it's because that's a quality I'm like I think usually the qualities that you're jealous of in other people or most attracted to are qualities that like you're keen on developing in yourself and that's something I've been like 
so, so like deeply trying to find in myself. And I've, I've gotten so much farther on it um, in the past few years since like gaining, I don't know, more of a political ideology and like my own like value system and self-compassion and acceptance, like all of that like factors into it. But I do feel still so attached to like external validation that, you know, I'm not living 100% authentically. Like I'm always kind of considering what other people would think and I'm still recovering from being a people pleaser. So that's just something I've been thinking about. And I'm like, does anyone else find that attractive? Like, and I did ask a question in this month's survey. If you want to be a part of these episodes, I will always send out a Google Forms link on YouTube, the community tab, and on my Instagram story. Um, so you can you can participate. But I was curious this month, like, in terms of your attraction, like, are there certain dimensions of it that, like, don't fit into the traditional categories? Because I'm like, it's not exactly intellectual attraction. It's not exactly emotional. Like, that's like... I don't even know what I would categorize that type of attraction as, but um, I love thinking about the intersections of attraction and like all of the like outside ways you can be attracted to somebody that aren't just like what we've heard of for millions of years. Anyway, anyway, um, taking and leaving this month. What happened this month that I want to continue and what happened this month that I want to leave that needs to stay in the past? that I do not want to return to. Taking Below Deck. It's time to reveal my affinity for Below Deck. I love that show. I think it is such a well-rounded reality TV program. And here's why. And here's why. (laughs) I am not susceptible much or like super drawn to dating shows. I think because they feel so set up and like programmed and rigid in a way like I just don't I just something about it like doesn't gel with me below deck is like dating in the wild like this show is not about dating it's not it's just about a crew of usually about 10 people that live aboard like a luxury yacht that sails around the Caribbean or the Mediterranean or Norway and these people are living together for like four to six weeks in close proximity and day in day out they're on this boat no leaving and things are just bound to happen because usually usually it's like i don't know four women five six guys five like usually it's it's very split dynamic and some sort of relationship forms every single season so you have the dating component then you have like workplace drama because this is where they're working like most of the show is about like you know actually sailing the boat and like taking care of the guests and like doing all the different tasks and like cooking the meals and the galley and all of that so you see the workplace drama you have the dating show component but it's natural they didn't cast these people to date they cast them to work on this ship this yacht so you have that component and then in a way in oh in a way you almost have like abby lee miller like pyramid style ranking because after every single charter that they have of people that rent the boat they get a tip and then they basically based on how the how big the tip is they kind of determine like how good of a job they did kind of kind of and there's a lot of hierarchy which i don't fuck with hierarchy but (laughs) makes for good tv 
makes for good entertainment because it's so chaotic and nobody likes it. And it's just such a good show. It's just such a good show. I love it. I also watch Family Karma on Peacock and my mom and I long distance both watch shows though both watch those shows. I'm so influenced by my mom's taste in TV. Always have been, always will be. She raised me on Malcolm in the Middle, on Kathy Griffin, like just prolific prolific television. She found The Office like pilot episode season 1. She didn't find the British version, but she found like the American version. And I know now The Office is overrun on the internet but like that was in its indie days like it was like an indie tv show back then okay next i am taking my book clubs i have been facilitating three book clubs this month we started meeting the week of january 15th so we've met about three ish times now or maybe january 9th i can't remember but anyway we've met about three times now and it takes up a considerable amount of time in my week. It takes up like six to eight hours. But in the winter, it feels really good to have a dedicated reoccurring like three times a week where I know I'm going to see other people and have really thought provoking conversations. And if the year of the rabbit is about connection, those have been so connective for me. So really beautiful. And then finally, what I'm taking into February is setting boundaries This is something I have made, like, I have to be so proud of myself for the landmark progress I have made. Like, I can't think of a boundary that I set before the age of 25. Like, when I started working with my therapist last year, this was, like, the main benefit I got out of my therapy was, like, when I had a conflict with somebody, even just as minor as, like, my feelings getting hurt after something they said that wasn't even meant to be hurtful, something like that, I would go to my therapist and be like, I just want to not harbor resentment. I want to express these feelings, but I don't know how. And she would just help me script up, draft exactly what I was going to say in a really helpful, like healing format. And I would execute that. And I have set two boundaries in the month of January alone. Last year, 2022, I set three boundaries the whole year. So I am like, really accelerating. Of course, I'm not just like willy-nilly looking for boundaries to set out of nowhere, but the ones that come up, I do attempt to set. And um, the formula I use just to share the knowledge is um, I feel, insert emotion, about, insert event, and what I need from you is positive action. So the way that it would be modeled is like, I feel stuck about or maybe okay maybe if you lived with like a roommate and you had dishes in this they left dishes in the sink a lot you would say maybe I feel um frustrated about the dishes piling up in the sink and what I need from you is to either you know a let me know if there's a time where you can't take care of the dishes so I know in advance or b to take care of those within a 24-hour period or something you know like just that elementary And it's such a simple recipe, but out of the five times I've set boundaries, it has been wildly successfully received on four out of five of those. And that issue never came up again. That person took it really, really well, even if I thought they were going to like just blow it out of the water and overreact. That wasn't the case. Like I was really making assumptions and projecting things on people that weren't there. And it reduced my resentment. It gave me so much 
confidence in my ability to communicate and express myself. And it just takes practice. Like, I think it's really hard. It was really hard to do those first three. The fourth one was where I was like, okay, I feel more competent in this. The fifth one, I was like, I can do this. I think the sixth one, like the last two I set without my therapist, which is also growth. And then the next one, like, you know, I think I'll be able to do probably without hopefully as much lead time because usually it takes me a, a bit of a lead. Like I can't really do it in the moment. Usually it's like incident happens. I'm thinking about it. I don't want to be dwelling on it. And so I come up with the, the with the boundary and then I deliver that back to the person within like, I don't know, a day or two or three or four. Um, but unfortunately, this month I did experience the first time where someone broke the boundary. Like I said, it was a four out of five success rate. It felt so good telling people before that, that I had a four out of four success rate. But that's the way that boundaries go. Like sometimes they're going to help and the person's going to get closer to you because they're respecting you more and there's compassion there. And sometimes you're going to realize, oh, this person doesn't value treating me the way that I want to be treated for whatever reason. And that means that our relationship is unfortunately going to have to be more distant. Um, And that really sucks especially when it's someone that is very intimately connected to your life. Um, I, yeah, it sucks. It really does suck. But I'm, t- I'm despite that, I'm taking into the future because in, in another way, when someone disrespects the boundary, it's, it's just as clarifying as when someone receives the boundary well. Like either way, you learn more about your relationship and you'll gain a sense of, yeah, just illumination about the direction to take it. Leaving in January turmeric stains. <laughs> no one told me that turmeric stains like the devil. I started taking turmeric pills to help with sort of immune and not getting um, sick this winter. And I accidentally stepped on one in my kitchen. And I have like fake wood flooring in my kitchen that my landlord put in. And the pa- it was just a powder sitting on the ground. It wasn't even wet. So I scooped it up with a paper towel. And oh my God, the yellow stain on this like grayscale flooring I was like oh good god it was on my carpet it was like on my like my like clothes a little bit and it took like three rounds of cleaning it with like baking soda and vinegar and dish soap and all this stuff to like get it out and I think it's mostly out now but like I just don't I just don't want that to happen again otherwise I'm gonna have to stop taking these turmeric pills it's too much of a liability second are keloids (sighs) because I got my rook pierced last January. So it's the anniversary of my rook piercing, which I love a lot. Um, And it healed a lot better than my conch piercing did that I got, I don't know, a year and a half ago that I had to take out because it was healing so poorly. And um, unfortunately, I noticed just like kind of a little um, a bump forming near my piercing site. But I went into... um, the Laughing Buddha in Seattle, highly recommend them if you want to get anything pierced. And the guy was like, wait, it actually looks really good. <laughs> he he really calmed my fears because I was really worried that it was going to be like just obliterated and I would have to take the piercing out. But the piercer was like, no, you're good. So I'm leaving that in January. It's not coming with me. And third, leaving in January is Januaryism. Okay. Like, I did the math and the last four Januaries have all been bad. Like four years ago in January, it's when I got diagnosed with Graves' disease, you know? January after that, 
We were super, super in lockdown and I was violently depressed. January after that, I was about to combust because I loaded things up so much in my calendar. And this January, can't even really pin the tail on the donkey, but it's just not, it's just not hitting. And I'm like, is it just Januaryism? Like, is that what, is that what the cause of it is? It may be. So let's leave it in January. February was the month I got depressed last, last year. So let's see if we repeat that or not. It'll be a toss up, but you'll hear on the next podcast episode, you really will. And now we get to explore the other side of the two-way mirror. Those were all of my January revelations, but what did yours look like? You know, where did this past month take you? And um, many of you filled out this survey. Thank you to everyone. I do read through everything. And even though I don't have time to read all of these, um, it's just wonderful, wonderful to see. So let me pull my laptop a bit closer and we'll dig in. So we'll we'll wind it back to that last question I just posed. You know, what was I leaving in January? And I asked you all that. What's something that you're leaving in January? And the first person I wanted to highlight was Miss Emma, who's 24 and writing in from Seattle. And Emma is leaving, worrying about seeing friends enough, slash if it's been too long to ask people to hang out again. I graduated college in 2020, and it left a lot of my friendships in this weird limbo. But I've reconnected with people I hadn't seen in two years recently, and it's nice knowing that those connections can always be restarted. Such a great thing to leave. And I've left parts of that behind, but they're, if it's like a good friend that I've spent like a good chunk of time with, I'll reach back out to them after a few years. The harder one for me is when I've only met someone like one or two times, and then a year or two goes by. I'm like, oh my God, is that so weird that I, again, going back to my little weird fear of being known, um, that's what I really struggle with. So I'm glad you're leaving that. And Anonymous from New York City wrote in that they are leaving, or she is leaving, anxieties about not having enough friends in this city that's far from where I'm from and I've lived in for just a year and a half. Yeah. Lots of friendship came up this month. Like that was kind of the big theme. And that's kind of a winter moment. A beginning of the year winter moment is like, where is everybody? <laughs> Where is everybody? And especially when you move to a new city, like it takes a while to start to feel confident. It was really like there's going to be a moment in time where you look around, you know, at some event or some dinner or some birthday and you realize, oh, I have people in my life here now that I really like and I admire and I feel good about. And that's such a special moment. And I know my, my friend Michelle, she's from Australia, but she lived in Berlin for a year. And she was like, by the time I left, like a year later, my birthday party was attended by like, or my going away party was attended by like 20 people. And I was so inspired by that story. But after like a year living here, I didn't feel like I had, I still don't have 20 people that I like know like that here. And it's not about the quantity, right? It's not about the quantity. It's about even just one person that you feel seen by, or you feel like you're starting to be seen by. It's just about that one person. But I can say even for me, it's been a year and a half in Seattle. And this past weekend, like, I saw a couple friends perform in their dance show. And then the next day, a bunch of people came and, like, visited me at my job for one of my last shifts at the shop I've been working at. And it was so simple. But just seeing people, like, in my neighborhood and coming to see me just to, you know, see me in my little routine, it just felt so wonderful. I was like, wow, I can't believe I've even built that community here. So it will come. And cherish your long-distance relationships as well. Like, most of my relationships are long-distance, and that's the way it goes. 
Okay. Anonymous from LA said that he is leaving his grandmother who recently passed. She was age 97 and lived a full and complete life had eight children traveled undocumented from mexico to escape an abusive husband didn't speak english yet was still successful amazing woman and i just had to pay honor and respect to your grandmother because what a huge loss like 97 and all of that life the good the bad and the ugly like what wow just what a huge huge presence i lost my grandparents when i was pretty young like None of my grandparents lived past when I was like 15. So I never got to have like an adult relationship with any of my grandparents. And that's something I feel like a sense of loss with because I do enjoy like getting to know other people's grandparents. So um, yeah, I, uh, I'm super sorry that you had to lose her. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person. Okay. And now for what people are taking into February. Kay from Roanoke, Virginia said that she's taking late night chats. Yeah, yeah. There is something about the shroud of darkness that just limits, that just um, unlimits you from usual conversational bounds. Like it's really nice to have late night chats. Those are so, so, so fun. Vanessa in Miami said that she is taking the belief that life is happening for me and not to me, that everything is working out in my favor even if it doesn't feel like it at times. And I will always end up exactly where I'm meant to be. Ruth from San Diego is taking sobriety into February. Many of you tried dry January and now it's time to see. Do you want to continue that? Do you want to end it? Do you want to mix it up? Maybe you didn't do dry January and you saw other people doing it and you want to try it for yourself. Like like sober curiosity is a great thing. Um, Annalena in Germany, said that she is taking the green retro cocktail chair that she bought secondhand for her room last weekend. It is a symbol of settling down in this new town, and I'm writing this message sitting in it. I am allowed to have nice things and feel at home. Yes! Yes, yes. We are allowed simple luxuries, whatever those look like to us, Um, and a nice chair. Like, I don't have a nice chair in my place of residence because I don't have space, and I would like a nice chair. You know, I would like if my next place had space for like one nice chair. That'd be a huge upgrade in my life. So I really understand you and respect that response. Taylor in Southern California said she's taking a consistent at-home yoga practice that allows me to be kind to myself if I skip a week. Yes, 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 yes. Like if you're going to set a goal, you have to couple it with self-compassion. You know, like you have to invite yourself to like, you know, mess up. And truly for me, it's like, if you skip a week, just don't skip another week, you know, like you're allowed to take breaks and return to things just like, you know, find a way to re-enter. Anonymous in Washington said that she's taking the first step in making plans with friends rather than waiting to be asked. And that's huge. I am usually the initiator. And I was talking to a friend this week about like, how much of a burden that can feel at times. Like nobody really cares to see you unless you reach out to them. But I think it's, I was thinking about it and I was like, if, 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 I think there's probably three options, but if the two options were being the kind of person that just waits around to see if other people invite you to things, if that was one option, then the other option were being the person to actually invite things, invite people to things and be in the active seat. I would much rather be in the active seat. There's probably a third option where like, 
you wait for people to I don't know. To me, I'm like, if I just waited for people to, if I just waited for people to invite me to things, it's possible that I would not get invited to very much. And then I just feel lonely. But maybe there are people that just wait around to be invited to things and they get invited to plenty of stuff. So they never have to plan things on their own. But I'm like, I've never lived that reality. That seems very foreign to me. Like, I feel like if I want to have plans, I need to make the plans. So I encourage you to do so. All right. And now going into the boundary conversation that I had, I asked you all, What's a boundary you'd like to set with someone in your life? And Julie from Delaware said that she needs to set more boundaries with herself. She gives in too often to negative self-talk. And that's huge. Like, I don't really think I've set like too many firm boundaries with myself, but like what a beautiful notion. And Sam in California said that I can honestly say that I'm in a good place with boundaries and it took a few years to get here, but it's good now. I wanted to include this one because I'm like, wow, that's aspirational. Like, I hope to meet you there. Hope to meet you there in a few years, Sam. Kaylee in New Hampshire responded to boundaries she'd like to set by saying, my 19-year-old brother and I are estranged from our parents. For a period of time throughout December and January, he was living with me and my partner in our small apartment, specifically in my office where I work from home. He was unfortunately very unkind to my space. He left garbage and belongings everywhere when he left and moved to California. We supported him financially and emotionally for weeks while he got high and locked himself in my office. As an older sibling, especially in the situation we are in, I feel so responsible for making him comfortable that I was willing to destroy my peace. The anxiety that experience caused me sent me into an ulcerative colitis flare-up. I will need to set some pretty intense boundaries if and when he stays with me again. At the end of the day, I need to take care of my body and mind. Yeah, like when your body is literally telling you you need that boundary, that's when it gets so serious. Like, because it can be spiritually very burdensome to not set boundaries mentally, emotionally. But I feel like your body is like, the final frontier like when your body you know suddenly you get sick or you have a flare-up of something it's like okay this is a huge signal that I need to make interventions and changes um and what a heavy situation and complicated situation um to make especially when you don't have when you're each other's family but um I'm really I'm really proud of you for realizing that and I do really wish you the best Kate in northern Italy said I live in a college dorm and one boundary I'd love to set is for me to be able to not talk during lunches or dinners when I'm feeling overwhelmed. In this type of environment, it is difficult to be quiet without being perceived as rude or weird. But sometimes after a long day, I just need to be in my head a little bit. I would like to be able to do it without feeling pressured to be something I'm not. Yeah. I think sometimes if you don't set those boundaries too, then people just get confused because they're like, why is this person not talking or why do they seem kind of pissed off? And it just like leaves this big question mark. So it's like, maybe I'll just preempt it by just letting them know, like, especially when I go on group trips and I know I'm going to have introverts because I have a lot of friends that are introverts. Like I say, like, or I try to, like, if you need to take a break or be on your own or have a day to yourself, you just name that, you voice that, you let us know. Um, because otherwise we're going to think that we did something wrong, that we're pissing you off. Like, so just make that known, advocate for yourself, go off and do that. And people are always so supportive if they do care about you. You know, they want to make you feel safe and seen and present and all of that. 
Okay. And last question of this month was, like I like I uh, alluded to earlier, is there a quality you find attractive in other people that's more obscure or maybe not as many people seem to share? And these answers <laughs> were so good. I'm really glad I asked that. It's really fun to talk about attraction. Taylor from Iowa said that being able to closely identify why someone likes a piece of media they do is very attractive. And I agree. Like media analysis, very sexy. Like so, like it is something about like a really good letterbox review gets me going. I'm like, that is just so impressive that you could express yourself that way. So I get it. Okay, Kay from Roanoke, Virginia, again, said, I think true friendliness is underrated and rare. I don't find many people put in a lot of effort to make others feel seen, wanted, and welcome. And there were so many like this. Most of them, and I don't know if this is because I've convened people, like people that follow me, and I'm someone who clearly, like, is really extroverted and, like, likes to talk to people a lot, but everyone was writing that, like, they're really attracted to people who, like to make conversation with other people, you know, who like to, you know, ask questions of other people, get to know people better, be really friendly with, you know, service workers, whatnot. People love that. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> this is fun to read through because I'm like, I feel like I'm that kind of person. So I'm like, okay, there are people out there who are attracted to that quality, um, which I didn't realize. Like, I didn't realize that was such a coveted quality. Emma from Seattle again said, not super obscure, but I listened to the podcast Normal Gossip all summer, and it made me realize that I feel most attracted to people who I can immediately gossip about something with. Yes. Like if you're at a party or you're at this like group setting with somebody and you can just lock eyes and give each other a look and just know that there is something going on there that you both need to comment on. What a special human experience. Like I love when two people take the same thing away from an experience and you can kiki about that later. Okay, this is what I was talking about. Kaylee from New Hampshire said, something I admire about my partner is his ability to have meaningful conversation with everyone. He is so good at coming up with little questions to ask people pertaining to their interests or work. It seems to come so natural for him and I'm jealous. It's something I don't notice a lot in other people, but something I'm very fond of and I'm working on myself. It's so special to be able to make people feel comfortable in your presence. How charming and wonderful. Um... Okay. Anonymous in Vienna, Austria said, I love my boyfriend's unique physical features, like the shape of his nose and his teeth, which make him really look like him. I love that. I love that. Like, oh, I just think that's so like that to me is like pure physical aesthetic attraction when like you don't like someone because they're like there's they fit some sort of form of like conventional attractiveness or whatever they're attractive because they look so much like them like they're so true and authentic to what they look like oh my god like I totally get that and I went to a nude spa with a couple of friends I'd never been fully nude with friends before but it was really fun because I was like oh my god like you guys look so much like yourselves and that's so beautiful you know like that's the best outfit you could put on because it's so you like I just love stripping down someone and just seeing like exactly what makes makes them up as the person they are. Hallie from northern Minnesota said they find attractive people who are unapologetically themselves in a very explicit way. Something about those types of people is that they aesthetically stand out in a group of people. 
but in a positive way. They don't care what other people think of them. They wear they wear whatever the fuck they want. And I've kind of just put and kind of just live in the fast lane. Maybe I'm just putting those people on a pedestal for whatever reason. But when I see people that stand out like that, I very much gravitate towards that energy. It's infectious. Those type of people that are just so interesting and that makes them so attractive to me. I'm also an Enneagram 4 and it shows if that means anything to you or your listeners. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, but I agree. Like I love... Like, I'm always worried when I'm getting dressed for something that I'm going to fit into the median of what people are looking like there. Like, if I was going to, like, a holiday party or a birthday party or going out one night, I am always just like, oh, I don't want to be too overdressed, too underdressed. But these kind of people are never worrying about that. They're just wearing exactly the loudest, most true thing to themselves. And it is so inspiring. That's also what makes me so drawn to the Purple Palace or, like, Shayna Klee is that she has such an authentically unique sense of style. And when she steps out on the street, she looks like Shayna Klee. Like she just has that vision for herself. And it's really, really wonderful. Okay, Casey in Chicago said men's fingernails are attractive. (laughs) And I get it. Like that is um, affirming. Somebody else said like hands, like when you're attracted to something so minuscule about that gender, that's how you know you're attracted. Maybe not even to that gender, but like that. I guess they did say men's fingernails. So um, if you're ever confused about your sexuality, if you find yourself being attracted to such small things like that, you're definitely attracted to whoever that person is. Um, wonderful. Okay. Well, guess what that means? It's a wrap. It's a wrap on episode two. If you'd like to support the podcast and support me further, you can consider becoming a patron on patreon.com slash catherout, where I'll do a monthly like daily vlog. I do live streams, which you can listen to like a podcast. It's almost like a bonus podcast episode. We do book club over there. It's a very fulfilling and supportive community. I love it so much over there. So If you're listening on a podcast app, please consider giving this show a five-star rating and leaving a review. And you can always watch these episodes um, as video episodes on YouTube if you search Revelatorium with Catherout. It'll be there. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you all next month for some more Revelation. And I appreciate you stepping into the Revelatorium with me today.